Welcome to our podcast series, The Global Realities of Cybersecurity. I'm your host, Penny Flint. I work for PwC based in the UK. Each episode of this series, we'll be inviting along some of our colleagues who are experts in their fields to discuss what they do at PwC and what they're focusing on at the moment in the ever-changing world of cybersecurity. Today's conversation is centred around third-party risk management, and I'm joined by Grant Waterfall and Paul O'Rourke. Hi, I'm Grant Waterfall. I'm responsible for cybersecurity in EMEA. My name is Paul O'Rourke. I'm based out of Australia and I lead the Asia-Pacific Cyber and Risk Practice. Okay, well, thank you guys and thank you for joining us today. Um, I know my um, clients have certainly been talking to me a lot around third-party risk management and I guess I'll ask my first question today and maybe I'll start with you, Grant. What trends have you been seeing in the past year when it comes to third-party risk? Well, Penny... Just two weeks ago, and I think you might have been at the same event, we had a, a group of clients up for a for a panel, uh, and we, t- we asked them what their top issues were. And across the group, and these were all big multinational clients, they all agreed that third-party risk management was one of their top three cyber issues and rising. And one said, an insurance company, that they thought it would be the number one issue in the future. So I think we're seeing we're seeing a trend of clients realizing how much of an issue this is. And actually, one of them made the statement was that uh, 98% of spend at the moment is on internal cyber issues. And something like 60% of cyber incidents are to do with third parties. So there's a real imbalance and a need to probably rebalance. Okay, that's a powerful statistic. Uh, Just speaking up from Grant's point, and I think it's a very key one, if we backtrack in cyber over, say, the last 10 years, uh, most of the focus has been on internal security in in improving the internal posture of the organisation. And I think there's, there's one key aspect we need to look at here, and that is we have management control around the internal organisation. We don't have management control around the third party supply chain. And I think that's really fundamental to a lot of the risk that sits here today. So most of the focus for organisations has been around technology uplift, process uplift and capability uplift around their people internally and improving the governance and reporting. What's been missing in that equation is the third party supply chain. Uh, And Grant highlighted a really key point. We're seeing the threat landscape move to the third party supply chain, but we haven't seen commensurate uplift around both management and governance of that supply chain. If that issue does not redress, I think we're going to see increasing risk, increasing exposure uh, and increasing impact emanating from the supply chain. Yeah, I I mean, I think those are both really good points and certainly what we're seeing from a UK, I I think it relates on a global level is just the systematic level of reliance on third parties to deliver services. You know, the days have gone by where it was just facilities management and we're seeing core business activities actually being outsourced to third parties. So I think you've made really valid points around how we've been very focused on internal looking, but in a landscape where there's ever increasing use of third parties, both with regards to volume and also with regards to complexity. No, I it, and actually, if you look at it, Penny, there's there's a real variety as in the threat landscape, as as Paul highlighted a second ago. So, you know, you'll all remember NotPetya, uh, which is a malware which hit a number of companies really hard maybe a year ago. Uh, this was a third party issue. And the common denominator was that all of those companies were running a software package, an accounting software package in the Ukraine. 
and the malware was pushed through a regular software update to that accounting package in those companies and it spread virally through the organizations and took out major bits of IT. But once again, we have a third-party software update causing havoc in companies. So this can really come from many different angles. And it, and it's interesting, and maybe a question to you, Paul. You're both using the language third parties as opposed to traditionally I've heard the words suppliers. Is there a reason why you're using third parties and not the word suppliers? Personally, I see that the words is fairly interchangeable around um, suppliers or third parties, but the, I think the terminology in the market now is much more around third-party risk management. And I think the interesting issue here is we're talking about risk management, um, which is fundamental, and it is fundamentally a risk uh, and it's a material risk. And and Grant highlighted the point before around volume, and we have seen increase in volume of the last over the last few years. Um, and that introduces a real complexity for organisations. If I don't have management control, I only have governance control, and I have increasing volume of uh, third-party suppliers, how do I manage the issue? How do I understand the risk landscape? How do I manage the, the risk landscape? And importantly, how do I govern it as well? And I think and it's part of the, the whole focus we're seeing in the market now around the third-party risk management approach is really around materiality. And I think materiality is key, and that is starting to, to segment the suppliers into material suppliers that, that from a risk impact um, will have a material impact and effect on the organisation if and when there is a breach. And I think it's more likely when there is a breach than if there is a breach. Mm, no, I think that's a really good point. I mean, but I'm still seeing um, some firms that I'm working with who are segmenting their third parties based on value and based on spend. Um, and we actually just worked with an organisation who had a business critical issue. They had they had an IT outage, and when we actually looked at the root cause of that, it related through to a piece of software, which only cost them twenty thousand dollars. So it had fallen below the threshold by which they were monitoring and having a heightened sense of governance because they hadn't even segmented based on the critical nature of, of that activity and that piece of software. And I think part of the problem there is it's much easier to segment by value than by risk because by segmenting by risk means that we have a much greater emphasis um, and control over the third-party supply chain. We're doing active management, active governance over that supply chain and we're actually looking at a process view rather than just a provision of service view, end-to-end uh, -end process view, to, to actually look at where the risk materially sits. Yeah, and, you know, just adding to that where you started on this, poll with volume, you know, I, I talk regularly, regularly to major clients where we're looking at, you know, 30,000, 60,000, 80,000 vendors that they have to deal with or third parties. And, you know, the need to then stratify, segment and work out where the risk is just becomes all the more important because there's just no way you can deal with a program without the right sort of prioritization. Yeah, so I guess what would, would we recommend to individuals that the first thing to work through is exactly who, you know, what your third party landscape is, who your third parties are, which might sound quite simplistic when framed that way, but that's quite challenging for organizations to get to grips with that volume of of third parties, particularly if you've had, you know, business-led procurement and it hasn't necessarily gone through a centralised um, mechanism. Yeah, I think the inventory issue is understated as a problem. Uh, understanding the full breadth of the inventory of third-party suppliers, what is the definition of a third-party supplier is probably the, the first point. Um, and then the second is, is building a full inventory list, both from a technology view and a business-led process view. 
um, and fully understanding that landscape is fundamental to, to really uh, managing and governing this issue. Mm. And I think that's a really good point you're making around the different categories of third parties because they could have different policies which govern them and you could have different responsibilities. You know, you might have your procurement or head of third party responsible for your suppliers and your outsourcers, but you might have a different policy which governs your partnerships arrangements. And I'm certainly seeing that that's becoming more important, you know, just to give you an example around how firms are transforming, how you enter into arrangements with third parties. So whereas traditionally, say a fintech company, you might have entered into that as a supplier arrangement, and that was therefore handled by procurement and had a very clear policy. But now firms are entering into those arrangements, say, as a partnership. And that you may have someone who's responsible for that or you may not have any policies or, or clear responsibilities over that arrangement. So how do you make sure that some of these third parties aren't falling through the cracks, I think is important. That's a great point. You know, the way I look at it and the, the, the question I'm asking all of my clients at the moment based on the hypothesis that every cyber program really needs a, a third-party risk work stream in it right now. And it's amazing when I ask that question of CISOs in particular, how many get a very worried or uncomfortable look on their faces. So there's still a number of companies that, that haven't really done anything systematic about this issue. Um, and where we do find companies have done something about it is probably in the more regulated sectors like financial services and then in the more mature regulated markets like the US and the UK. Um, because we're still finding that in some of, even in regulated sectors in, in Europe, for example, this is still an emerging issue and getting a lot of attention right now. Yeah, definitely. And just picking up on that point, Grant, even those that have done a good job at both an inventory and a materiality view of, of third-party suppliers, it's often at the Tier 1 suppliers or Tier 2 suppliers. One of the, the big changes we've seen from a risk landscape in the past five years, and particularly in the past two years, is right down to the nth level, and that is a supplier of a supplier of a supplier. And where does the risk sit in the third-party supply chain? Um, as an example, if an organisation has outsourced uh, IT operations for a particular function, uh, to an organisation, that organisation has then outsourced various components. Um, it, it could be segments of the delivery uh, and or support models uh, and so on. And so what we're seeing is, and particularly in some of the most complex supply chains, is right down to fifth, sixth, seventh and even eighth level of, of supply chain risk. And organisations are really struggling with both understanding how to assess that um, both from an, an approach, but also fundamentally how to govern it going forward as well. Now, that's spot on. Whenever I find we get clients together to discuss this issue, it becomes a really, really heated debate. And everybody is so keen to understand what techniques others are using, what how we can help them, how we can give them methodologies and processes. And of course, we do have all of those very well defined and some tools to help clients do the sorts of or address the sorts of challenges you're talking about, Paul. Yeah, yeah so, and I think one of the key areas in that is we've, this is where we've seen AI and automation uh, come in in a really big way in probably the last 12 months. What's been the, the basis for third-party risk management for probably the past five to 10 years has been manual assessments, site visits, and, and spreadsheets primarily. Uh, we're evolving that fundamentally now towards much more of an AI view, um, ingesting large amounts of data from various sources to actually understand the full landscape of suppliers, 
to the point before around the nth level of suppliers. Who do these suppliers typically and third-party suppliers typically have interrelationships with to build a, a broad map of uh, the, the, the broader supply chain and then to start to be able to both manage and govern that issue going forward? Yeah, you know, Paul, that's a that's a great point. And if I just give an example in an in a sector, you know, if you look at automotive, most of the components in the head unit, and that's the unit that contains the entertainment, navigation, and connected car functionality, are in source. So they are all components that are bought in from different suppliers and then put together in the in the in the car. And increasingly, these are needing software updates because they're highly they're highly complex you know, software hardware products. Um, but ultimately, the safety and the security of the car remains the responsibility of the motor company. So the need then for them to get comfort over this more complex supply chain, which which has both hardware and software in it, is is really complex. And, and you just cannot do that without automation um, and the ability to, to test the software uh, through automated techniques, which once again, we have some really good solutions for. And particularly picking up Penny's point before around inventory, to your point then, Grant, is how do I understand inventory of not only the tier one suppliers, but the inventory right down to the, the smaller suppliers, all those components within in the head unit of the, of the car? A very complex issue, but one that organisations cannot and must not avoid going forward. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think those are really good points. And so if I just do a... A little recap on what on what I think I've heard you said. So if I was approaching this for the first time, what I might be saying to an organisation is, is one, start with your inventory. Try and figure out what your third-party landscape is. What are the different third-party categories that exist in your organisation? Um, you know, what policies are governing those third parties and who are the responsible individuals for those third parties? I think I've heard you both then talk about segmentation and what do you care about? What's business critical to your organization and that's where you need to focus your oversight on those those particular um third parties and then i think i've you know heard you go on to make some really valid points with regards to um sub outsourcing and really understanding your supply chain and how and how you could have a uh, an impact through that supply chain and so one area we probably haven't touched on as much then is around governance and reporting is once we have an inventory once we have a full view of the risk landscape from a segmentation and a materiality view. How do we gather that information, both from a manual view um, and also an automation, as we just touched on before, and pull that together in, into highly rich contextual management and governance reports? And that's something that if we're to get much better handle as an organisation going forward around the third-party risk we need to get much better at, at the governance and reporting and actually to, to be not only lag reporting, but predictive reporting is fundamental around understanding risk. Uh, an example is particularly around predictive reporting. If you have a supply chain right down to third, fourth, fifth level suppliers is what happens if something happens in one of the fifth level suppliers? An example I was dealing with recently was a typhoon in a country that, that actually wiped out supply in various factories. Uh, if you understood your supply chain and the materiality view and the interrelationship between your suppliers, you would understand much better going forward from a predictive view that that impact on that factory and that supply would have a downstream impact on your production going forward in terms of supply. Uh, this organisation uh, 
ultimately did not know that at the time. They didn't even understand this, this fifth level supplier was a supplier in their supply chain and it had a downstream impact um, a few months later on their, their production. And I think that's where getting much greater context and rich reporting, both from a lag and predictive, uh, is fundamental to, to governing and manages, managing this issue going forward. Mm, I think that's such a valid point. If you think of if, if there was an issue in, say, India with regards to a natural disaster, how long would it take a lot of the firms that we work with to understand how they'd been impacted from that? And I think if your answer is it's, it's going to take you at least a week, that's, that's too long, as opposed to, you, you know, your inventory clearly says, you know, what geographical location that service is being delivered out of and either through a direct supplier relationship or through subcontracting. Uh, one area... W- one area we haven't probably touched on is how to improve the relationship with the suppliers as well. Um, and, and let's talk the material suppliers. One of the key issues is if we are talking materiality, it means there's a much greater interalliance and interdependence between the, the core organisation and those material suppliers. So that means there's an onus on the organisation to better understand that, those third-party suppliers from a materiality view, understand how they're looking at cyber, how they're managing the cyber risk, how they're governing it, but very importantly, how they're reporting it. If and when there is an issue, the organisation needs the third-party supplier to be very upfront, um, report the issue and work collaboratively and cooperatively to actually address the issue. What we've seen is where that relationship isn't as strong as what it should be. The third-party supplier is worried about contractual implications um, and and often tries to hide or or subterfuge around the issue. Um, And that ultimately ends up often in in greater impact to the core organisation. One point uh, for firms to consider is with regards to GDPR and how your third parties are supporting you with you meeting your regulatory obligation. So, you know, here in in the UK, you've got a 72-hour period to report through to the regulator any breach of loss of personal identifiable data so how has that been translated into the contract you know have you asked your third parties to report through to you on a 24-hour period so you've got sufficient time to meet that 72-hour deadline yeah well just to just to add one point to that penny you raise gdpr but really if you look across various regulatory agendas around the world so privacy regulation which is not just gdpr there's there's similar sorts of regulation being adopted everywhere. In virtually all cases, third-party risk is a part of the, the regulation. And likewise, if you look at a lot of the sector-specific, specifically financial sector regulation, this is probably the biggest focus of the of the cybersecurity regulation. Um, and we're expecting a, a lot of activity, particularly in the banking sector here in Europe right now. Mm, yeah, it's true. And with the privacy, there's no materiality, right? You know, you harm one customer, you suffer a data linkage, you have a responsibility to that individual and you have to report it through. So it takes you back to that segmentation to make sure you're not segmenting based on volume of customer data and, you know, eliminated someone that you may not oversee because uh, they're not hitting a volume threshold, for instance. Okay, and then. And a number of the areas we've touched on earlier have almost been around hygiene, which is things like inventory and materiality and segmentation. But what we're seeing from the regulators is absolutely they expect hygiene, but they expect maturity as well. And that is moving much more into now governance and risk management 
And I think that's the key issue that we will see probably in the next 12 to 24 months is regulators get much more active um, around how organisations are appropriately executing their both their management and governance roles over their third-party supply chain. No, that's great. And it sort of leads us into the final segment, which I was going to pose the question to both of you around focusing on the future. You know, how does a growing organisation work to mitigate the third party risk? And I think you were just touching upon some of that, Paul, with what you were just saying there. Yeah. And the other point I'd add to that is that there's a big focus here around skill sets as well. Uh, often organisations haven't had the right skill sets internally to to appropriately uh, obtain the inventory, assess, manage and govern the risk going forward uh, and also report on it. So what we're seeing also, and I think one of the, the key issues in the market now is really focus on core skills around third-party risk management governance. And I think that'll be one of the big growth areas in the market in the next 12 to, to probably 24, 36 months. Yeah, you know, and, and Paul, I totally agree with that. And and then on top of that, I think we both mentioned it is, you know, with the sorts of volumes we have and the increased complexity and the fact that we're dealing with software and hardware and various things through the supply chain, that point of automation just becomes so much more more important. And we're not going to be able to do this with, without it. So we are seeing a number of solutions being developed and, and certainly our focus is on helping our clients move in that direction. Yeah, I would say the largest organisations without automation will fundamentally struggle with this issue going forward. And what we have seen, it's akin to the last five years, we've, we've automated a lot of the security functions internally, uh, everything from the SOC um, through to data management, uh, data lakes, etc. That maturity is now moving to the third-party supply chain. A lot of the core functionality and approach that we've done internally with a lot of our clients globally, we're now doing within the third-party supply chain. And I think that's, to Grant's point, one of the, the big focus areas going forward to, to appropriately addressing this issue. Okay, great. Um, well, just as a closing comment, um, Paul and Grant, if, if you were to say, you know, just one thing that someone should should focus on having listened to this podcast, what would be the first activity you'd recommend that they did i'll start with you paul yeah the one area we haven't touched on which i think is is really important is is the organization hierarchy making sure that the the c-suite and board are fully assessed and apprised at the the risk landscape around the third party supply chain and there's appropriate governance processes in place around that going forward so yeah the last thing an organization needs is a surprise and fundamentally as this is a big risk issue is appropriately assessing and governing and also making the, the right stakeholders aware of both the problem statement and also the approach to redress it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. If there is a breach or an incident, what we've certainly seen is when the regulator have come in, they've certainly interviewed C-suites and the board members, and they've also looked back around the governance over that particular third party and, and the level of involvement with regards to the board and some of the decision-making that took place. A great point. And Grant? Look, I just go back to every cyber program should have a third-party risk work stream embedded in it. And, and I think I think that's the place to start and understand you know how how that has been or is being implemented okay great well thank you both of you and thanks again for joining us today it's been great having you with us remember to subscribe to our podcast series so you don't miss out on future episodes if you have any questions about what we do here in cybersecurity, please reach out to our guests